John 11, from verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Now Jesus, therefore, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he remained two days still in the same place where he was. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start from verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. For our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and thus deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Father, we thank you for your word that changes, that transforms, that liberates, O oh God. We ask, let your word burst forth as light in our hearts, O oh God. Help me, O oh God, to speak with accuracy, with power, and to deliver your truth to your people, O oh God. And I let these words that we hear bear fruit and harvest in our hearts, 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. I've titled my message this morning, Love Stories from Asia. Love Stories from Asia. When we think of love, many times we have certain conceptions in our hearts how we think love should be expressed. And I think that one of the most challenging things anybody can do is to have a love relationship with God because... Love has certain characteristics that when you consider yourself loving God and God loving you, it sort of changes the dynamics of how those characteristics of love can fit into a relationship with someone who has the characteristics of God. Love, first of all, is, you know, for me, one of the definitions of love I like is that love always acts in your best interest. And love wants the best version of you. And love extends itself to see you become the best of who you can be. Now, if I'm loving a human being like myself, it presents some challenges because you are human, you don't know everything. So how do you know what's best for me? Okay? And because of that, because I'm human as well, I'm flawed, I do not know everything as well. I don't even know what is best for myself at all times. And you don't know what is best for me. I can then somehow manipulate my expectation of how you express love to me by telling you that this is what I think is best for me, so do it. If you really love me, you would love me like this. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of love before. Many years ago, I had one worry girlfriend like that. And I was just working, had a, an okay job. And she said to me that, you know, she wants to learn. She wanted to improve herself, personal development. So I said, okay, fine, no problem. 
let's work and do it. I think she was, she was still in school then. Okay, so I find out, yes. I said, okay, fine. You know what? Let's, let's pay for you to register. So I said, okay, what do you want to learn? She said, okay, she wanted to learn programming. I said, okay, fine. How much is it? And she said, and she said the amount. I said, oh my God. I started carrying a load of girlfriend, wife, whatever. But you love. The love, the love gives. I said, okay, fine. This money, I don't have it now, but give me a month. Month end, I would, I would arrange the money. So, and it was a good thing, right? Your girlfriend wants to improve herself. When that month end came, let's say I was going to give her the money tomorrow. She then called me today and said, oh, I don't know what they call you. Then she's called me baby. Okay, baby. She said, baby, there's one bag I saw. This bag. Oh, God. I said, okay, you've got... I'm a man, so I, I don't understand. I only think of bag. I only think of laptop bag. Okay? So, but in the world of women, there are probably bags that are more expensive than cars. Yeah, in the, in the world of women. So this girl, I said, okay, how much is that? How much is bag? I said, okay, maybe just, I don't know. But when she said the amount, I saw that it was equivalent to what she used to learn. And I said, no, now. You have to make a choice here, my darling. Do you want bag or do you want to learn programming? And she said, which kind of programming is that? Buy this bag for me. So, and I said, so I tried to, I said, no, now. This thing, this thing has, this thing has eternal value. This is your programming. Okay, not eternal, but it has long-term value. This bag can spoil one day. You can enter bus. Boss can't hear it. Or, you know, let's focus on the important things. If you love me, you give me what I want. Okay? So, when, when you're loving a human being, those, those, those things, you can easily manipulate the other person because that person believes that he knows what he wants better than you do. Don't, talk, don't ask me how the story ended. Okay? That's for another day. But, but when you're loving God, it's different, first of all, because the challenges of loving God is that one, God is all-knowing. So you can't manipulate him like that. And even if you wanted to try, you don't even have the power to do that because he's also all-powerful. Okay? So the, the love relationship with God is such that, and you know, like I said, love acts in the best interest of the loved. Okay? For you to act in my best interest, you have to have power to do certain things. So even though I'm, I tell God I love him, I cannot technically act in God's best interest because he doesn't need anything from me. Okay? So the only extent to which I can act in God's best interest is if I let him act in my best interest and align with what he wants to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, because I'm going somewhere this morning, so I want you to work with me very closely, and I promised myself today, I said, I don't want to become synonymous with, this time this, I climb this stage to preach, this way you all know that they will go home late. I want to try and keep to the time. So please be praying for me as well, so that I can, you know, and I'm not going to spend like seven minutes, I will give you all that, you know, but let's just work it out. Okay, so it changes the dynamics of, of loving God. Yeah, it is different from how we love men. And like I said, if love is acting in my best interest, okay, I cannot tell God how to love me because I don't know what is best for me because I'm not all-knowing, okay? But God is all-knowing and then God knows how best to love me. The, the other challenge of loving God is that by nature of how love is, love is revelatory. Right? So, if I love you, the more we spend time together, the more I am showing you about myself or things about me. Okay? And so, for a human being, yeah, even though there are some marriage veterans here who will still tell you that they still don't know their wives, but there are some things that you can spring up now. You'll be like, Chimo, where did this come from? Okay? And vice versa. So for you, for you think it's only women. 
But I feel that women are a bit more complex in a good way. Because I still have to eat lunch at home this afternoon. Okay, in a good way. In a good way. Let me emphasize that. God is all-knowing. So from my perspective, I cannot say that the more I am getting closer to God, I can be showing him more of me because he already knows everything. I will say this concerning Jeremiah that before you were formed, I knew you. So there are no surprises with God. But the problem is this, that the person I am trying to love, who is God, the Bible says concerning him in Romans eleven thirty three that his ways are unsearchable. He's past finding out. So, if he loves me and he does love me, part of his expression of love is to what? Show me more of himself. But that also presents a challenge because I am not all-knowing as he is and I am not all-powerful as he is. So I cannot know all of him at the same time. First of all, it's not even possible to fully know him. I know when you get to heaven, you'll still be knowing God. Yeah? It's, it's forever. He's unsearchable. Okay, so it's then possible for me to, when I see a part of God that has already been revealed to me, to take that part and believe that that is all there is to God and not want to know more. Because I feel like, okay, I mean, my Savior, that's fine. Let me, let me stay here. Okay, but because of the way love is, love increasingly wants to reveal more to the love. God then always wants to show himself more to you. Okay? Unfortunately, how does a God that is, his ways are unsearchable reveal himself to a man whose mind is limited? Okay, so there's a dilemma there as well where how can I, how can I know more of him when my mind is so limited? I have, I have a limited ability and scope of knowledge and understanding. And yet this God is so unsearchable. So even if he's showing himself to me, how can my finite mind grasp this unsearchability of this kind of God. One more thing about love, and, I, and then I would, we'll go into the scriptures, is that sometimes in our impression of how love should be expressed, we think that if it is true that an all-powerful God loves me, okay, then it has all the power to stop everything that I don't want to happen from happening to me. So if he really loves me, then his expression of love to me must be preventive. He must never let me enter anything. He must never let me suffer. He must never let me go through anything. How so? Because he loves me. If he loves me, he shouldn't want to see me in pain. She don't want to see me cry. Okay? But the highest aim of love, okay, because love has different grades. And there's a dimension of love that its focus is to see you comfortable, comforted, happy, nothing is happening to you. You are just okay. We buy all the bags you want and you're just happy. Okay? But that's not the highest expression of love. The highest expression of love is for you to be the best of who you can be. For the believer, we know that the best we can be is for us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. So because the expression of love has levels, because God's love is fixed, but his expression has levels, right? Because there are levels to the expression of God's love, anytime there's a clash between God's desire for your comfort or your bags, all those sort of things, okay? And your purpose, okay? Guess which one will always win? Your purpose will win. Because of love, God is willing to sacrifice your pleasure, okay? So that this other one can be fulfilled, okay? So let's go to John 11. Now, John 11 verse 1 tells us a very interesting story. You need to understand why John was written. John, I mean, one of the um, Gospels, or perhaps the only gospel even, that gave us very specific reason to why he wrote. You see in John 20, or I think, John 20 or John 21, one of those two, it says, when he said that, 
I've written these things to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And believing, you may have life in his name. So that was the reason why he wrote. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that sort of took a chronological view to life of Christ. What John did was to just speak specific. You see that you don't have, you don't have so many miracles in the book of John, maybe like eight. Okay? But he speaks specific stories to help convince the people he was writing to that Jesus was indeed the Son of God and therefore God. Okay? Because you see when they started, they said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was the God and the Word was God. The same was God in the beginning. You know that's John 1. Okay? So he was introducing a concept to them and, but for him to achieve that, he had to strategically pick seven or eight stories that incontrovertibly showed that Jesus was God. Okay, so it was, it was intentional. And even there, you also see seven I am's of John. It was John that told us the seven I am's of Jesus, linking him to the I am that God revealed to Moses, that Jesus and God are one. Okay, so this story, John included it in his book for something. And it was part of his evidence, part of his proof, okay, that Jesus was not just a man, he was the son of God. Okay, so he says a certain man was sick named Lazarus. And he says that this man was the brother to Mary and Martha. Now, verse 2, now tells us which Mary, just, just so that you are not confused. See that this is the same Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment. The same Mary that worshipped. So this Mary was the worshipper. And he says that it was the same Mary that her brother was sick. We know that just by living in this world alone, we are prone to, I think Pastor Bletchin preached that, you know, that living in this world exposes us to the evils of this world because once Adam sinned, death entered the world and then we are in that scope, okay? Just by being on earth, okay? So that is, it's not as if God wants any man to be sick, but by the fact that the world is broken, there's sickness on earth. But in my mind, I'm like, Jesus, if anybody should not be sick. Should be Lazarus, the brother of a worshiper, the brother of someone who broke her alabaster box and poured out all that she had on you. And of course, the Bible says that the sisters sent a message to Jesus and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And they didn't say anything more than that. They didn't say, come and heal him. They didn't say, and when I was reading it, I was like, ah, if Lazarus had a brother, this is not how he would communicate it. Because other men, we know how to go straight to the point. Women just say it and say, you make out of it what you will. But if you really love me, you know what to do. Okay. <laughs> so, but they, I mean, they communicated as only women can. And they said, Lord, he whom you love is sick. What should Jesus do? Should he phone doctor? Should he come and heal? Should he come and... They just say, he's sick. You know what to do. Okay? But interestingly, the word that was used for love there is the word filio, which talks about a brotherly kind of love. A love that, you know, expresses fondness. It's a human kind of love. Okay, so they were saying, God, they were saying to Jesus, say, Jesus, this guy, you know that we know you are fond of him. So we need you to take action based on the human dimension of your love for him. Do you understand that? So if Jesus was going to express the human dimension of his love, what would he do? He would take the next available flight and jet out to Bethany where Lazarus was, right? Let's go on. The Bible says that now, you need to understand that on this side, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were in Bethany. Jesus was somewhere else. Okay? So I want you to be able to play what was going on in their mind. We've shown him we love him. He spends time with us. We've even sacrificed for him and everything. He's our friend. He's our friend. It's like you're in trouble and you know that the, the judge is your friend. The way your heart will beat is not so much as somebody who doesn't know the judge at all. Okay? So, they had expectations. But now, on this side, where Jesus was, 
Because in their mind, when they delivered that message, in their mind, they could already see Jesus leaving everything and running to meet them where they were. On this side, they couldn't see. But Jesus was chilled here. Just said, oh, okay. Those disciples, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, the love there that, now, because this is John giving us his narrative. Okay, the first one was what Martha and Mary said. They said, Jesus, he whom you are fond of, he whom you love from a human perspective is sick. But now, John, the narrator of this story, then uses the word, because the love he uses in verse 5 is not filio, it's agapao. He now says, now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus from a divine perspective to see them become the best of who they can be, to reveal God to them in a new way. Do you understand? Many times when we're in trouble, we are expecting God to respond from a limited perspective, from a filial perspective. Okay? But God is all-knowing. And don't forget that love, like I said, is constantly prodding you in the direction of being the best version of you. Okay? So in this instance, on this side, the Bible says that because, say now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that therefore means because he had heard that they were sick. That therefore is that because. Okay? He said when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he stayed two days where he was. Why did he stay there? Because of verse 5. Because of his love. His love made him wait. Now, on this side, Lazarus was dying more. Okay? And they're like, where's Jesus? How can Where is Jesus? Ha! Ah, where's Jesus? Like some of you, where's Jesus? I prayed. Me, Jesus, I'm here. Um, sacrifice of worship, I'm here. Um, Kingdom Foundation, 8.30, I'm here. Um, what else again? Um, prayer and fasting, I'm here. I'm praying for the pastor, praying for his wife, praying for his cat, praying for his dogs. How can I be the one going through this? If anybody should be, you, you some of you can point three people in here that you know that if they should have a problem, it's not me. It's, it's, Jesus, it's that one, that one, that one is always coming late. That one that he never gives offering. He's always complaining about the pastors. That should be the person afflicted, not me. Yeah? But you need to understand that in the scheme of things here, Jesus needed to demonstrate something. This was one of the I am's he needed to demonstrate. He needed to demonstrate that I am the resurrection and the life. And so to demonstrate that, he needed a case study to work with. And he needed to choose somebody that he felt would understand. So he had to choose his friend. So the reason why he chose Lazarus to demonstrate this was because he loved him. Now on this side, you are saying that the reason why I should not be owing house rent is because God loves me. On this side, God is saying the reason why I will allow you to be thrown out or for your landlord to be disturbing your destiny, okay, is because I love you. So which one is the real love? Do you understand? I know some of you are saying, God, pocket that love. Give me this one. Okay, give me this one. But, but, but that's where Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were. Okay, and so he said because he loved them, he stayed. So that Lazarus would die and be buried. And then to look as if he was hopeless. Okay. Is it possible that the thing that you think or in the situation that you feel like God has abandoned you, is it possible that he wants to show you a new dimension of himself? Is it possible that he has chosen you because of the love he has for you? And he says, I want to demonstrate my power. Whose life will I use to demonstrate that I can raise the dead? Because you need to understand that physical death 
to a large extent, almost feels final. You know, the Bible says in Psalms, it says, love is as strong as death. It almost feels final. Like the person is gone. We can't see him on this side again. So, when we are praying, or when they were praying, in the concept of this guy's mind, okay, they had seen Jesus heal the sick again and again. Maybe they had heard about the story of Jairus' daughter and everything, but they were like, okay, maybe she wasn't really dead because it was the same day now, you understand? They told Jesus that she had died, and Jesus said, okay, don't worry, I'm coming, and he just, maybe she was just in a deep coma, and Jesus rose her up. So, because check it yourself. If you're praying for somebody that is sick, there's something in your mind that is like, God, please just heal this person. But once the doctor comes and says, this person is dead, you just somehow change your scope. I'm going to tell the family, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Because in your conception, man, what I don't pass Gary, man. Okay? It can't happen again. Okay? So Jesus needed to break this box in the heart of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In fact, in the heart of everybody. To show that me, Jesus, I am even the Lord of death. Okay? But he needed a circumstance to prove it. Because whether you like it or not, you also could have said, okay, Jesus, just, you could have just preached it in the Sermon on the Mount and the resurrection and the life. Why do you like this parts of scripture that have stories more than the one that doesn't have story? If I ask a new believer to read the Bible, Chances are he will start from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before he enters the epistles that don't have story. Yeah? Because with stories, you can, there's relatability. That's okay. If Jesus did this, then he can do it. Okay, so he needed that case to prove it. Okay. So, pack. Just pack and stay where we are there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, with this story in mind, I want to now use this epistle to drive the story home. Now, Paul begins to write to the Corinthians and says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, how many? All our tribulation. Now, what tribulation is the Greek word, tlipsis. It's a word that talks about squeezing, the process of getting grape. Grape juice out of a grape. That squeezing process. That's what that word is about. It says that he comforts us in all our squeezings, okay? Our pressing, so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any squeezing or pressing by the same comfort that we ourselves are comforted with. So my question, when I read it, my like, God, wait. So the reason why you are squeezing me is so that when I'm squeezed and I come out of it and I gain understanding of how you work and my life is now an example that even though you are going down, God can bring you up. Okay, see me. Okay? Somebody else can see what God has done in my life and have hope. And this is, this is how I deal with God. Though. Okay, forgive me if it sounds unholy to you. But I tell you, I say, God, why can't you just tell them? Just an just appear in a dream and say, say to the guy, say, look, this thing you're going through, you will come out of it. Why do you need me to be an example? Say, go and look at that guy. I did it for him. Because I did it for him, you will come out. I said, I don't, I don't like to be a guinea pig. Hmm? You can just say it. Okay? But how many of us would believe that God can give, I don't know if there are children here, a man that cannot even have an erection again. How many of us believe that God can give them a child if we didn't read the story of Abraham? Okay? And for some of us also, we may feel that the story of Abraham, oh man, were we even there? How do we know that it's not everything in the Bible that you believe now, even though you should? Don't lie to yourself. There are some parts of the Bible when you read it, like the story of Jonah and the whale. Some of you don't believe it. Even though it's true, but you don't. Okay? And so God in his mercies, even though you should, though, even though you should, but God in his mercies then looks for living epistles. People that you can relate to, flesh and blood. Like a friend of mine who got married 11 years ago and immediately got married. His distance stopped working. I'm telling you life story. Oh. It didn't work. 
for years. And it got to a point where he told his wife, said, look, you're a young woman. I need to be fair to you. Just go. Marry, marry somebody. I can't, I, can't, I can't put you in this situation. Before he married, it was working you know, in the world. It was working. But he didn't use it for a long time. So now, in our family, it wasn't working again. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for those of you that don't believe Abraham's own, this guy, you have to believe it because I know him. I was at his wedding. He's my close friend. Okay? But when you go and see a doctor and the doctor tells you, guy, do you have a pastor? You know that what I don't pass Gary now. Do you understand? That's what they told the guy. Do you have a pastor? So, <laughs> so, but with prayers, okay, the guy is a father today. And just so that you don't assume anything. If you see the boy, if you see the boy, I've seen the guy. You understand? Just so that you don't think that maybe this wife went to go and meet him. No! But when that guy was going through that ellipsis, hmm? this guy was, was a giver. You understand? He can, give, he can sell his house and give it to, to God. If there's anybody that shouldn't have that kind of problem, it's that guy. But he was the one that God, on this side though, in Bethany, eh? he said, God, if you love me, it's not me that this should be. But on this side, where Jesus was, he said, because we love you, we are using you for this example. Okay? Some of you are loved in this place. So now, Paul begins to build a thought in verse 8. He says that, for I would not want you to be ignorant of the trouble that we had in Asia. The trouble that came, it entered Boston, come to us. The trouble that came to us in Asia. So for we were pressed, burdened beyond measure, above strength, so much that we got, we, 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 the will to live was gone. Do you know who Paul is? Let me tell you, because for Paul to say this, in Acts 13 or Acts 14, Bible tells us that one time Paul went somewhere, they stoned him. I know the Jews, if they stone you, you will die. Okay? They stoned him. And then, when they stoned him, it says they left him for dead, which I believe that he died. Because if you look at, in this same second Corinthians, when Paul was recounting his badge, his, his rank as an apostle, he says in deaths often. So I believe he actually died there. Okay? But they stoned him to death, but he was raised by God. The Bible says that he dusted himself up and still went to preach. Okay, that's the kind of person. So, whatever he was saying here must have been bigger than that. Oh. Do you understand? The same Paul wrote to us in First Corinthians. He said, I write, say, finally, my brethren, be immovable. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Say, ah, Paul. Paul, it's possible that you, something happened to you that. He said it was beyond measure. You, Paul. Paul that said that we should be immovable. Okay? And he said that so much so that I dis- we despaired of life. We, we, we didn't want to live again. Have you been squeezed before? Have you been squeezed to this point where you're like, nothing is working? Many of you are in that place and you're wondering what is happening. With all the things I do for God, with all the things I've done for God, with all the things I'm doing for God, this should, it should not, this, I should not be the person that this is happening to. Okay? Give me the next verse, verse 9. Says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which what raises the dead. Because in your limited mind, there's a line that you've drawn in the in the imaginary sand where you know when you say you trust God, that your word that you say you trust God is within a certain scope. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me, let me tell you a story. Many, many years ago, then I didn't have a car. So there was this guy that took us. He used to live my way then. Then I was living around Festac. So would, the guy would drive me. I'll go back home with the guy. So one day, a young lady also was in a car with us. And when we got near Oshodi, between that Antonia and Oshodi, the car broke down. It was around six-ish. So we... Luckily, we felt, God, thank you. There was a mechanic nearby. We got the mechanic. While the mechanic was working on the car, this is my friend told the lady, he said, look, 
because of time, maybe we can put you in a taxi and so you can go home. Remember that? Ah, but tell me two now. Because <laughs> it's because I'm a man. <laughs> okay. You know, but see, in the girl's mind, okay, she had calculated, because the mechanic said, okay, no, I'll go do one quick, quick. She had calculated the scope of what was happening. I said, okay, this is six o'clock. Let's say the guy finishes in 30 minutes. 6.30, we are still fine. Okay? We will go and I'll still get home, right? So she waited. Okay, many of us, our calculation of I trust God is within a certain limitation of fine. I've been, whenever I have a headache and I lay hands on myself, the headache goes. So it just goes within three minutes. You know, God is a healer. So now you're feeling one pain here. And, but you have prepared for it now. It has not gone. And in your mind, you're like, okay, this pain has not gone. But it's not really a serious pain like that. So even if it doesn't go, it's still okay. Okay. I still trust God. Okay. He's a healer. Okay. But in your mind, as long as that pain is at the level where it is, God is a healer. Okay. But the moment that pain shifts from here to here, and now for you to walk, we almost need forklift to move you. Then it will challenge your conception of God is a healer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the way God needs to change your mind, sometimes God needs to almost make you lose your mind to change your mind. Okay? I don't forget, like I said, that God's love's greatest expression, okay, is to act in your best interest. You know God... For someone like Paul, because I can imagine that Paul was not a perfect man, obviously. But with some of the great things he had done, he could have built up his... Have you been anointed before? When you're carrying a certain level of anointing, eh? And you've seen the cripple raise, you've seen things happen. You can build some sort of confidence in that anointing that you have. Okay? Such that you have taken your eyes off God. And you're putting this in what you carry. So sometimes God needs to challenge that you're this thing. So if we give you something, eh? That, that you're anointing, eh? It has not seen before. Okay? He doesn't hate you. He loves you. He wants you to elevate your faith. Okay? There's a man I look up to so much. Very powerful man of God. One day he told us a story. He said, ah. He went to cast out a principality. So not demon. The principality from a girl in Kogi State. Sorry, if I'm in Kogi State, forgive me. Okay? The girl, there was a, there's a deity and I'm telling you a story. Let's, go, let's forget about the story. I want to hear the story. You. So, he said that as he went there, I mean, he, has been, he was a young man. He had been praying, fasting and everything. He said, different men of God had been sent cast out. Because it was like, there's a deity that they worship in that village. So, the woman who was warehousing that deity, when it was time for her to pass on, she chose this girl. On the girl she just liked the girl. So, <laughs> so it all transferred the, this thing as a gift to her. <laughs> but the girl had not been taken through certain rights to enable her to warehouse that level of negative spiritual resource. So when the thing entered her, the girl went mad. Okay, she was not roaming the street. Different big men of God had been called. The girl and the demon would beat them away. So they now called this my big friend. And he went there and he said, he went there, he was like, what is this? We have cast out many things before and I was there. So he went there, he said, as he commanded the thing to go, he said, for the first time in his life, he saw it. Not, it's not as if the demon was the principality. Let me call it that. He wasn't speaking from the girl. He came out of her and spoke to him and told him, he said, I've gone, no, but you, I will catch you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he said that, look, that after that, he could be going to preach somewhere he will deliver the whole crowd. When he gets back to his hotel room, that demon is standing beside him near his bed. 
and will torment him. He's like, ah, God, me. How is that possible? Me, the great man of God. He said, but within that period, he thought he knew how to pray. He said, but then, he now knew how to pray. He said, because he could be in one place for seven hours praying. Okay? Until, after about three years, this thing was for three years. And after about three years, one day, the Holy Spirit whispered to him and said, you have passed. I just told him, say this word. Say what he said to the thing. It was no more than three words. And the thing left. Where do you, how do you fit that into your theology? Because eh? some of us, with a New Testament mindset, we don't understand some things. Me, I don't, I don't call myself any brand of Christian. No. I'm just a child of God. I'm not an evangelistic Christian, word of faith Christian, prophetic Christian. I'm just a child. Because if you attach labels to yourself, there are some things you can't explain in the Bible. Like Job, they told us that the reason why what happened to Job happened is because uh, Job was afraid. I said, you're joking. So why did it happen to Peter? I happened the same thing because Peter, God, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Peter, Satan has written request letter. That's what he said. He said, Satan has requested for you to sift you as wheat. So what was Peter afraid of? He had no fear. Peter even said, I can never deny you, Jesus. So, there are some things. And look at the response of Jesus there. I said, so Jesus, you were privy to the conversation when Satan wrote the request letter for Peter. Why didn't you slap Satan's face now? But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I said, ah, only prayer. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith, what, fails not. Which is what is important. So there are some things that are going on in your life that in your calculation you believe God is doing you. God has abandoned you. God has left you. God has been unfair to you. Okay? My time is gone. I don't have the time to walk you through the dynamics of how Martha and Mary, you know, had their issues resolved. Because when Jesus appeared, first of all, Martha heard that Jesus was coming and she ran to meet Jesus. And she, she, she was honest. And some of you, you need to be honest today. To say, God, Jesus. Some, some of you, you almost need to forgive God. Hmm? Because you are holding a grudge against God. But the way church is these days, you can't, you can't really express it. Yeah? You are fighting God. God, you have cheated me. I kept myself. I was a good girl. I'm still not married. All these things that we, sometimes pastors, can tell you. Just believe the Lord. In your heart, you know that you are beefing God. Your relationship with God must be strong enough to tell him that. Because Martha didn't hide it. She told Jesus, she said, look, Jesus, see, if you were here, my brother would not have died. It was an, I hope you know that she wasn't saying it. Jesus, if you were, she, she said it vehemently. If you were here, it was an accusation. Okay? God is not afraid of your words. He can handle it. If you can talk things out with your husband, how much more God has capacity? Yeah? So some of us, your bitterness is not against a fellow man. It's against God. Because if you cheated, you feel like God has cheated you, you gave him your best years, you did this, you did that, and he hasn't come through for you. You need to express that feeling to him. And Martha said it. He said, Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus then went through a process with her. And said, look, your brother will live again. Because that's the purpose of this whole thing. To show you that I'm not only the God of sickness. I'm not only the God over sickness. I'm the God over death. Okay? And Mary didn't come. So Jesus had to ask Martha to call Mary. Even though we didn't see it there. But when Martha went to meet Mary, she told Mary, the master is asking for you. Some people have stopped. Some of you are online. Let me talk to you. You have stopped going to church because you are fighting God. Eh? I say, I'm now an online believer. Okay. It's good to be that if you can, if that's the best you have. Okay? But some people are not going to church anymore. Some people have stopped praying because you are fighting God. But Jesus is coming to you. Jesus came and told Mary, he said, he said, told Martha, go and call Mary for me. Because Mary didn't come. She was angry. But Jesus told her, go and call Mary. 
And when Mary came, she still said the same thing. If you were here, my brother would not have died. And then, the Bible says that, and Jesus groaned. No, the people around, they said, see how he loved him. But this man that could open the eyes of the blind, could he not also stop this guy from dying? Yeah, those thoughts. And people in church, they are also saying that about you. This sister, she's always coming, 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 coming. Coming, sacrifice of worship, sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of glory, sacrifice of which other thing, thanksgiving. She's always there. And she doesn't have a child. Jesus. This one, she's is not enough. But Jesus said something. He said, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. That story didn't end with Jesus just comforting Mary and Martha. No. Jesus deployed and displayed his power. The Jews had this belief that when a man dies, his spirit still hovers around for about three days. And so, anything can happen within those three days. His spirit may choose to come back to his body. So, but for Jesus to prove that he was indeed Lord over death, he had to wait for Lazarus to be dead four days. So that that theory of the Jews would be disproven. But if Jesus came and raised Lazarus immediately, they would say, well, he wasn't really dead. The spirit was still around. But after four days, it had shattered the previous conception. And it became clear that only one who was God could do this. And Jesus came and raised Lazarus from the dead. You know the story. I don't need to belabor the point. But Paul, who went through a squeezing, Paul then tells us in verse 9, and that's where we'll end now, says, but we had a sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Sometimes we can say these things. We don't really believe them. And so God comes and introduces or sometimes allows. So sometimes he's the one introducing it. At other times he's allowing it. A situation in your life that will challenge your current conception of who he is. And what he can do. For some of you, he chose you as a candidate for revelation because he loves you. For some of you, you are in it already. And you are like Mary and Martha saying, how can a God that loves me, how can a God that I have given so much sacrifice, worship, and love allow this to happen to me? But I came to bring you comfort this afternoon that it's because he loves you that is why he has chosen you for to be a candidate for revelation it will not end the way it is now it may not end today okay i don't want to give you false hope as well huh? because imagine that when jesus was here and he was waiting for lazarus to be really dead one prophet came to tell mary amata don't worry, your brother will rise today. But it has been ordained that it will be on the fourth day. Okay? If they tell them that today, they have given them false hope. Okay? So some of us, it may not be today, but I can boldly tell you that the God that raises the dead, even the thing that you are carrying, that you are saying, God, this thing shouldn't die. Even if he dies, he can raise it up again. And some of us who are hot, who you've sort of made peace with the situation. You said, God, if there's anybody whose husband should not be misbehaving, it's me. But my husband has just started acting crazy. But you've, you've made peace with it. It's okay, God, okay, no problem. Since you want to fail me, okay, I'll be coming to church so that nobody will come and be looking for me at home. But me and you, we know that you have failed me. Hmm? The first place you must start from is opening up that wound. Tell God. If you want to accuse him, it's fine. God's, God has large emotions. He can handle what you want to say. As long as you are saying it from a place of love itself. Some of you have to tell God today, if you were here, this should not have happened. Tell him, tell him. It's, it's only when you tell him that that he will respond to you and tell you, your this shall live again.
Okay? I want us to understand that God loves us. God is irrevocably committed to our progress. And sometimes in the seasons when he looks as if he doesn't love you, when he does things that hit your comfort, hit your convenience, as long as it is him doing it, okay, it will lead to life. Just going to encourage somebody here this morning or this afternoon. That God loves you. He loves you in ways that you would normally not consider to be an expression of love. But when you go through this process, guess what? When you tell somebody that God can do this, you will not be saying it solely from quoting 1 John chapter this verse that. You'll be saying, look at me. He that brought me out of this husband trouble. He that brought me out of this rent trouble. He that brought me out of this whatever trouble. Okay? He will do the same for you. And that's actually the high, one of the highest expressions of love. Where love is participatory. That God invites you to participate in unveiling the revelation to other people. So that for people, you know, Paul or Peter said something to some women. He said, look. Even if you have an unbelieving husband, even if he will not believe because of the written word, he will believe when he looks at your life. There are some people that they're in church today. If you like tell them all, everything about Abraham and Isaac, they will never believe. But when you show them flesh and blood, this thing you're going through, I went through it. Okay? And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Lastly, I want to encourage those of you who have gone through something and who have come out of it. Don't hide your stories. Somebody needs that story. Somebody needs that story. This, this idea of Superman Christianity, we need to let it die. If there was anybody that shouldn't have been this open, it should have been Paul. Because Paul had told them, be immovable. Be strong. Now he told them that, look, I nearly died, though. Guys, I, me, go, I wanted to die to die because I had lost all hope. Ah, Paul, how can you say this now? You're the one that said, we have anything spirit of faith. How can you say, where is, what happened to your faith? But he was willing to open up to them. That this thing you're going through is not strange. Peter said that, don't think it's strange. These things you're going through. Okay. We need to talk. We need to pray for one another. We need to talk to one another. We need to share our stories. There's something that God has helped you come out of. That if you would only be open and not be selfish. And share your stories with your brother or your sister. That would be the difference between that person giving up. And that person holding on to God until something changes. Stand to your feet. Let's pray.